This is the Patriots Drive Podcast. We are all Patriots. Where we discuss, analyze, and answer questions to all things happening in the NFL and with our New England Patriots. Now, here's your host, Cole Kelly. Welcome in to the fifth episode of the Patriots Drive Podcast. We are one day away from the start of training camp. We're going to be doing a little training camp preview, some different battles that we're going to be keeping an eye on this upcoming week. And then, I mean, the rest of the entire training camp. So just getting closer and closer to football. The wait is finally almost over and I can't wait to be diving into some real football talk. I'm here with my co-host, Jace Campbell. How's it going, Jace? Doing good, doing good. Excited, like you mentioned, to be this close to actual, you know, football and not just speculation and stuff. So Let's get it going. Yes, finally. Finally here. For sure. Well, we're going to jump into a little around the league NFL uh, trade talk before we get into our training camp uh, roster battles that we're looking at. But first off, a former Patriot just requested a trade um, from the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Chandler Jones, he's on on the final year of his $21 million uh, salary. Would you be interested in New England trading for Chandler Jones to bring in a Bonafide number one pass rusher into New England. Yeah, Chandler Jones is, I mean, he's a tremendous player. His last, in 2019, when he played his last full season, he had 19 sacks. So, I mean, he's obviously an extremely talented um, player. He's a great pass rusher. He would obviously be an awesome guy to have on the team. But with, with the additions we made in free agency, adding Kyle Van Noy, adding Matthew Judon, we added a lot of pass rush ability along with some young guys that we have and Josh Uche, Chase Winovich. We ha- I think we have enough people at that position where some talented guys are already going to miss the roster. So adding a guy like Chandler Jones, who's 31 years old, he's on the last year of his deal. His cap hits $21 million. That's a lot of money to put towards a position that we already invested a lot of money in during this offseason. So I'm not personally that interested. Obviously, it'd be great like if he somehow wanted to restructure his contract to, to come back here or something like that, but I don't really think that's in his interest, and I don't really think that's in our best interest, especially with a contract situation looming with Stephon Gilmore. He's not getting paid what he deserves, and we still need to boost his money or give him an extension. So I think that should be priority, worrying about the guys who are currently on our team other than trying to acquire a guy who's got a really high cap hit, even though he is really talented, but... He's, he's starting to get to the later years of his career. His best days are probably starting to be behind him, similar to Gilmore, but that's a lot of money to put towards a position that we already invested a lot of money at. So personally, I would pass on this one unless special circumstances where he wanted to come back um, to New England where he spent a little chunk of his career and had success, but I'm going to say no for that one. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that because, like you mentioned, I'm sure a lot of Patriots fans are thinking – we have a guy on our roster who has said multiple times that he wants to be here and is severely underpaid in Stefan Gilmore. And he's someone that I think should be priority number one. After we went out and signed all these other free agents, um, offensively and defensively, I think Stefan Gilmore working out, uh, you know, multi-year deal to keep him here is something that should be at the top of their priority list instead of looking outward and saying let's bring this guy in for one year and maybe we get him back or maybe we can restructure there's just a lot of maybes I I mean we've we know Gilmore wants to be here we know New England fans would love him here hopefully the coaching staff would love him here because they're trying to work out a deal but 
For me, it's about taking care of the players we have on roster right now and the ones that we know want to be here. Chandler Jones, you know, we had him. He, he left and stuff. There might be a little, you know, touchy feelings there. I don't know how it would work out there. And we, you just don't want to ruin the chemistry on the team. Some guys might take it the wrong way if we go out and we trade for this guy that's earning $21 million and Stephon Gilmore's sitting here and he's still making, you know, nine or whatever he's making. I, I don't know the exact number, but it, it might become a locker room issue at that point. Like, they're not taking care of the guys on the current roster right now. I think Gilmore's set to make seven this year yeah. if nothing changes, which is just, I mean, severely underpaid. He could be making... Ten million dollars more per year, which is which is crazy. But yeah, kind of like you touched on, nothing's guaranteed. If you trade for this guy, he's a talented guy, so you're gonna have to give up some assets. And there's no guarantee that he resigns here. You know what I mean? He's he's on the last year of his deal, so he could be a free agent. Maybe somebody else offers him big money that we're not willing to, and he goes and signs somewhere else. So when there's a lot of uncertainty, and that's you're putting up that much money to pay a guy, it's just I don't I don't think it's worth it. You got. Plenty of people that you added this offseason who are talented. Maybe not, and maybe none of them are as talented as Chandler Jones, but you have a lot of different pieces that you can move around, and, and you got to take care of the guy in Gilmore who's who's been great for us for the past few years, and he's currently on the roster. So got a little bit of good news in that he reported, he's planning on reporting for training camp, which is good. So hopefully they can work out a deal soon and get this all situated so that he's, he's ready to go and 100% for the start of the season. Yeah, and just like talking through cap space and stuff. And yeah, we still have a lot to spend and we still have a lot of free cap space. But if you are talking Stefan Gilmore and he's making that seven and a half million this year that he's making, and you want to put him around that 15, $16 million mark. And who knows that's adding an extra $10 million to our cap, which isn't that bad for a player of Stefan Gilmore's caliber. But if you go add Chandler Jones, now you're going to add 21 million and you know, money is going to be tied up into that guy. And like you said, we could just lose him in a year. What's the point of getting him and losing him in the year? I like the um, potential our young guys have in Ronnie Perkins, Winovich, Uche. Um, we obviously signed Judon. Like, I like the rush pass rushers we have, and I think it's going to create a unique dynamic within the defense where it, there's not that number one guy, but there might be one guy that's on one week where he could have two, maybe two and a half sacks. And so maybe that the team we play next double teams him and then Winovich on the opposite side could go off. So I, I like the dynamic New England's having with multiple pass rushers, you know, keeping them fresh, keeping them rotating. I, I just like having those young guys in the system. Chandler Jones is getting up there in age. I'm pretty sure he's, he's in his thirties. I know that I think you said he was thir 31 or 32, but yeah, 31. Yeah. yeah so, you know, it, for me, it's just, I'd rather keep the guy on our roster that we have and, you know, move, move on with, uh, that position through our young guys in our defensive line group is we have way more depth at the defensive line in our outside linebacker position than we do at corner. Stefan Gilmore and JC Jackson are phenomenal outside corners. And those are our two stars. But after that, at the outside cornerback position, it's kind of just a fill in the gap. You know what I mean? Jason McCourty, was a big guy for us who played a lot of snaps at that outside cornerback position last year when Gilmore got hurt and, and all that stuff. But we don't have a ton of talent and a ton of depth after those two stars. So if you add a guy like Chandler Jones, who has a $21 million cap hit when we only have $13 million in cap left, that not only makes 
you have to get rid of somebody and clear $8 million in cap or, or manipulate the cap somehow and put yourself in a tough situation in the next couple of years because you moved all the money to the future and all that stuff. But then that's not even taking care of Stephon Gilmore. So if you lose Gilmore, you got JC Jackson as cornerback one. You got Jonathan Jones at inside slot corner, which he's phenomenal. But your second outside corner, I mean, who who are you gonna have play there? It's it's kind of gonna be a toss up, and you're gonna have to worry about that all season. To where, I think if we keep Gilmore and we pay him what he deserves, we're gonna have a really solid defense all around. So I don't think stacking the defensive line and being weak in depth at the cornerback position is gonna be the best solution for this defense to be successful this year. And Bills always love to develop his defense from the secondary forward. I mean, even when Patricia left and went to Detroit, he drafted who he thought was going to be cornerback one in Jeff Okuda because their philosophy is that if you can lock down one side of the field, that makes it so much easier on everyone else. And so, you know, locking up that cornerback one and, you know, the years that we've been good, we've always had that cornerback one. We've had Gilmore for the last couple. We had Darrell Revis um, when we beat Seattle in the Super Bowl. So I feel like right now, like you mentioned, the, the need for the defense is in the secondary, especially with the depth um, that you hit on. You know, it, it just gets a little sketchy, and then your backups get a little bit, you know, thin if injuries happen to J.C. Jackson or John, Jonathan Jones. We still don't know what Jalen Mills is going to do, um, you know, whether he can step up and be a good cornerback uh, three or if he can, is going to move and play, you know, kind of a versatile safety that Adrian Phillips rolled, but. It's going to be interesting to see how that um, secondary would uh, be, you know, kind of play out if Gilmore wasn't here. Yeah, and I, I don't really want to see how it how it plays out without him <laughs> me, here. Me I think, either. <laughs> I think having that number one corner and, and keeping him here where he's happy, he wants to be here, I think that's that's ultimately the last domino that needs to fall before the season starts, and, and this is going to be a really fun team to watch. This Defensively, we added so many great pieces. I'm super excited to see how they all fit together it might take a little while but we got talent on the defensive line we can stop the run we got guys who can rush the passer we got linebackers back we got uh high tower and everything which is huge um and just keeping our secondary strong and if everybody stays healthy this is going to be a, one of the top defenses in the league and it's going to be super super fun to watch so i hope we re-sign gilmore um and just keep him here lock him up for maybe another couple of years and, and keep him happy because this is going to be fun to watch this season. Yeah, and the other guy that's kind of hitting the trade block that's been on there for a while, but people haven't really talked to him due to the circumstances that he's uh, put himself in, but is quarterback Deshaun Watson. And there was a lot of rumors about Denver, about um, New England even at times, but that was before we drafted Mac Jones. But if there was a chance for New England to go out and get Deshaun Watson. I mean, the asking price that I heard when I was looking at it today was three firsts or something equivalent to that. Is that asking price worth it to go get Deshaun Watson and all the troubles that he's going to bring off the field too? Because this case or whatever he's in is still far from being settled um, if it's even started. And so would that be worth giving up, you know, a, a big chunk of the future, especially when we drafted Mac Jones at 15? Not for New England. And it might be for some team. There's, there's plenty of other teams out there who it might be worth it to go grab that quarterback. They, they might be a quarterback away. The best situation that I could see him going in where it would be worth it is Denver. They have a phenomenal team all around them. Great wide receivers. They got a great tight end in Noah Fant. 
solid offensive line. Um, defense is spectacular on all three levels. So they're basically a quarterback away from being a real contender. So I could see a team like Denver that could be worth it for them, but not not for New England. We got we don't have really necessarily even the money to to uh, get him. And I think those keeping those draft picks and acquiring more young assets over the next few years is going to be crucial to building this team back up and having young, cheap talent to make this team a contender again. So this season we did a good job of drafting some talented guys that I think are going to help this team a lot in the future. Christian Barmore, Mac Jones, and uh, Ronnie Perkins. You know what I mean? We got, we got a lot of good, talented players. So I think keeping those draft picks along with we just drafted a first-round quarterback. So, I mean, if you draft a first-round quarterback and then go trade for a quarterback and you already signed a quarterback in Cam Newton in the offseason, that's, that's a lot of money at one position. I know it's an important position, but it kind of seems like a waste of some assets if if you're drafting a guy that high and then going and tra- trading for a guy. So I think a team like Denver would be a good situation for him to fall into, and I think for them that would be worth it to give up those three-plus first-round picks, and they also have a lot of talent that might entice Houston to end up trading him. But, yeah, no, not I don't I don't think for us that would be worth it, but with the right situation, I could see I could see a team going and grabbing him. Yeah, when when trade rumors first started circulating, I was like, you know, this would be a great uh, position for uh, Deshaun Watson to land. Obviously, the receivers are a little iffy, um, you know, when the trade rumors start circulating. But like you mentioned, you go out and you draft Cam- or, uh, Mac Jones, you're, you're not looking for a quarterback anymore. And although it would probably put New England in a better position to win now, like the AFC or, you know, maybe even the um, – Super Bowl, I I just don't think it's worth it. Our future is in Mac Jones. We invested in it. We clearly have made our roster younger. I, I'm still concerned about the off-field issues that he's going to bring. You know, what if you trade for him, you give up three first, he plays a year, and he's suspended indefinitely. It's just not worth it for New England. You have this young guy in Mac Jones. Uh, hopefully Cam Newton plays better than what he did last year too, and, um, you know, you don't bring those off-the-field issues into your locker room. That can be a distraction. I mean, I know Bill would be all over it and wouldn't have it be too big of a distraction, but you can't just push something um, that Deshaun Watson's being accused of to the side. It's always going to be lurking with the team. It's always going to be a question, headlines. So, you know, as as great as it would sound to have Deshaun Watson come here, a generational talent, it's, I, I totally agree with you. It's just not worth it for New England. We're, we're, we're going in the direction of getting younger, building for the future and, you know, giving up three first if that's what it is, and a young player would totally stunt that. And when the, the rumors first came out, it was kind of a different situation than it is now. There weren't as many people that came out and accused him of things. Um, and we also hadn't drafted Mac Jones yet. We hadn't started free agency, really, to where we had all this money. So I thought, okay, I mean, it's Deshaun Watson. If we, if we have all this money and we have some draft assets that we can compete. It's, I mean, Deshaun Watson's a phenomenal talent. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and, and he's going to be for years to come if he can stay on the field. But, you know what I mean? Regard, like, disregarding the off-field issues, if if those are false and he gets to play the next 10 years, he's going to be a top-five quarterback for every single year. So he's he's got tremendous talent, and adding a guy like him makes your team instantly better, and he can pretty much carry your team to a playoff berth by himself. So I know the Texans struggled a little bit last year, but he's so talented that if you added him to this team right now, I don't I don't see how they're not a Super Bowl contender immediately. But 
it's just it's not worth it when you don't know the future of the guy. I mean, we, we learned it the hard way with Antonio Brown. We traded for him, and that kind of blew up in our faces, and we we paid the price for we had to end up paying him still ten million dollars for one game that he played for us. So I just I think this team is building something, and we're heading in the right direction. So I just I don't think trading all those assets away for a guy who could just blow up in your face and he might not even be able to play for you. I don't I don't see that as being a smart decision for this team and I don't I think the front office will see it the same way. Yeah, and and Bill. Bill knows what it is and or what the situation is and you know after that Antonio Brown blew up in our face, he's he doesn't want to go through that again. He got a lot of backlash for that. I think people kind of questioning what he was doing. They knew um his situation and stuff, but Bill wanted to take a chance on him. We've kind of had a track record with Josh Gordon, although he was here longer. But look at how he turned out. I mean, we've given chances to guys that, you know, maybe shouldn't have gotten one. But it's it always at some point seems to catch up to us, whether it's, um, you know, they can't play or we, they don't resign or something. So I, I'm in a total agreement. as much as it would like if if I were to see on my phone pop up right now, Deshaun Watson traded to New England, I'd be filled with excitement right away. But after a day or two kicked in, I think it would be a little disappointing after what an exciting offseason we had. Through the draft, through free agency, I would just kind of be a little, you know, weary of that trade. Which is the same. So before we traded for Antonio Brown, I was like, nah, I'm not really interested. I just, I don't think it's a great idea. He's He's been such a firecracker, you know what I mean? He, he You don't know what to expect from him. I don't really want to see that on the team. And then we traded for him, and I was obviously ecstatic. I was like, "Oh my God, we just got Antonio Brown, one of the most talented receivers in the NFL." He's, he, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. So it's exciting, but then your previous thoughts and previous concerns start to come up during the season, and you start to see, okay, I understand why I didn't want him, and I, why I was concerned about this because it's a real factor. So I think that's kind of how I would be with Deshaun as well. If we somehow landed Deshaun Watson. Right now, I would be extremely ecstatic. I'd be like, okay, we're a Super Bowl contender immediately. But it's just, it can affect you in much worse ways in the future. All those assets you'd have to give up, all the money, when you don't really know what his future is going to look like. So, yeah, I, I just, I don't see it being worth it right now. And I think we're building something good, and we should just continue on the path that we're on. Yep. Well, guys, we're going to take a quick ad break here, and when we come back, we are going to go into our position battles for training camp, what we're looking for as it starts um, tomorrow and as it continues until our first game of the season. But we will be back after this short little ad break. All right, everybody, welcome back from that little ad break. And as promised, now we are going to be talking about some of the position battles as training camp starts up here soon as we are getting uh, closer to real football. But uh, a couple positions that... Um, are obviously at the forefront of the Patriots. Let's start off on the offensive side of the ball, though, Cole. I think quarterback is one that a lot of people are going to have their eyes on, um, whether it's who makes the roster, who gets cut, or who wins that starting position. So as we're going into training camp, what are some things you're looking forward to at the quarterback spot? There's a lot. Obviously, the the big one is who's going to be the starter, who's going to play most of the year, Mac Jones or Cam Newton. But I think another one that's going to be pretty important as well is, is who's going to make the roster in general. I think if Mac is going to be the guy, having a guy like Brian Hoyer as that QB three who can mentor him a little bit and can also play the scout team so that Mac doesn't have to worry about that. I think that's going to be huge as well. So seeing if 
they end up trading Stidham, see if they keep Stidham and, and cut Brian Hoyer. I know there's been a little bit of rumors about um, kind of the whole vaccine thing, and, and depending on who gets it, that could play some effect into it. But, I mean, the big one, obviously, Cam versus Mac. Who's going to start? Who's going to play? It's going to be just constantly developing throughout training camp and, and seeing who's out playing who and, and who has a better understanding of the system. So that's going to be the biggest one to keep an eye on, obviously. And I can't wait to see how it progresses and, and how Matt continues to develop. I think the biggest thing for him is, is just going to be understanding the playbook. He had all those years at Alabama to really study the playbook and, and know the ins and outs of everything and really get the timing down of the system. So if he can kind of have that same understanding which is obviously going to be tough because he's a rookie. It's his first year. It's a, it's a very complex system. But if he can kind of start to have that same understanding of the system and know the timing of the routes and know where everybody's supposed to be, that's going to give him a great starting point. So he's he's got a better he's a better scheme fit for this offense, as we've kind of discussed before. So if he can have a good understanding of what he's supposed to do, I think that's going to give him a little bit of a leg up on Cam Newton. But Cam just needs to continue to learn the playbook and try to be more accurate, kind of like we talked about last time. But if, if he can improve his accuracy a little bit and just be as effective in the run game and just not turn the ball over, it's going to be hard for Mac to to become the starter if Cam's having success early in the season. Yeah, and, you know, kind of going back to who's going to make the roster and what are, um, you know, the players that are going to get cut at the quarterback position. And you think about... Brian Hoyer and how he's not just a veteran in New England system. You know, obviously he's been here when Tom Brady was here, but he's a veteran in general. And Cam Newton's a veteran, yeah, but Brian Hoyer, um, he's definitely not the answer at quarterback. We found that out last week or last year against Kansas City, um, where you know he had two horrible mistakes before halftime that costed us a field goal and a couple others. But having that veteran leadership, a guy that's been around McDaniel's as long as he has has been around Brady, he knows the system. He knows, you know, kind of what we're looking for to be that mentor for Mac Jones and Cam Newton. And I think what you mentioned is not only, you know, they're on the roster, but running an effective scout team, giving our defense a good look, making sure that Mac Jones doesn't have to do that, that he can be prepared. So if Cam Newton does go down or if Mac Jones has to step in, he's ready to do that. He hasn't been with the scout team the whole time. So, yeah, as much as New England thought Jarrett Stidham could work out and we wanted him to, and, you know, I think it might have been a little overhyped by some Patriots fans, but I just don't see him making the roster this year. I don't see anyone being willing to trade for him either, and even if it is, it's going to be a seventh-round pick. You know, it's not going to be too much. So I I see Jarrett Stidham not making the roster this year at the quarterback position and then going back to the battle, you know. It's really a two-man race between Mac and Cam, and we had this episode, you know, one of our first episodes we did on this podcast about what each player needs to do and how they need to win the job, and... It's going to come down to turnovers. It's going to come down to execution. It's going to come down to pre-snap uh, reads and stuff. It's going to come down to a lot of things. And uh, it sounds like Mac Jones has d- did some good things in OTAs. And it sounds like he did some bad things. So we, we can't read too far into this about who's going to be the starter. We just got to let training camp play out. But this is the position that every Patriots fan should be looking at as we're going into training camp. And there's there's nobody who knows the Patriots system better than Brian Hoyer on this roster currently. So that's that's why I think having him and keeping him over Jared Stidham is going to be something that the Patriots should think about doing because he's going to know, he's going to have the answers to all the questions that Mac has, any questions Cam has. 
he's going to have all the answers to develop Mac and and keep him on this upwards trajectory of learning the playbook and, and being ready to start. And I think if Brian Hoyer is the guy who's leading scout team and, and he's the one who's studying other teams' playbooks and he's the one doing that for our defense, it's going to take a lot off Mac, and Mac can just continue to focus on the Patriots' playbook, learning the ins and outs of it, learning what he's supposed to do with the line of scrimmage, and that's just going to help him ultimately be ready for success earlier. So I think keeping Brian Hoyer as that guy to, to run scout team and to help our defense and to help Mac and Cam, I think that's going to be beneficial to this offense. 100%. And, you know, staying on the offensive side of the ball, uh, a kind of pos- a position that is, you know, not seen too much in the NFL um, anymore, going to the fullback position. And it, it's kind of a weird conversation that we're going to have here, but we've seen New England use a fullback and have success with one, whether it's James Devlin, whether it's been Jakob Johnson. But I don't see a spot for tight end Dalton Keene, uh, one of the ones that we drafted out of Virginia Tech last year. I don't see a spot for him in the tight end rotation, but with the versatility that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick like to have out of their fullbacks, could he find a spot on this roster as a fullback? I think so. And I think that's something that they really are going to be considering, especially with all the different people, all the talent that we have this year and some of the good players who are going to be cut. They're going to have to figure out, okay, is it going to be worth it to keep Jakob Johnson if we're only using him a handful of times per game? It's it's going to be a lot of 12 personnel. We're going to have two tight ends on the field, so we're not going to have a fullback out there most of the time. So is it really going to be worth it to keep a guy just for that purpose? So I think that's where the conversation comes in for a guy like Dalton Keene, who they traded a decent amount of picks and a decent value to go trade up for him last year. So they obviously have some confidence that he can be a talented player. He's got some versatility. He had some success coming out of the backfield uh, at Virginia Tech. So I could see him being used as kind of that fullback who who also has some versatility to go catch some passes and, and create after the catch. So if, if that saves us a roster spot, keeping a guy like Dalton Keene and, and keeping him developing and having him fill in at that fullback role only when needed, I think that's a way that he can make this roster. Yeah, and, you know, talking about size in the fullback position, you got Jakob Johnson, who's 6'3", 255, and Dalton Keene's not too far behind at 6'4", 251. Obviously, he's been an anchor tight end, but I like Dalton Keene's versatility, and although I don't know how many reps he's had at true fullback where he's going to have to go down and maybe dig out a defensive end or uh, search out an off-ball linebacker and block him, but I like the versatility he brings. And like we mentioned, when you talk about New England's offense, having the ability to run a guy out of the backfield, sneak him out of there, and just get that thought in uh, defensive minds, it, it's a huge advantage. So I, I think Dalton Keene has a very interesting spot on this team. And we might see him keep um, an extra tight end or maybe two fullbacks, which might not be very popular to Patriots fans. But um, if Jakob Johnson is going to be the guy to be the run blocker, um, and Dalton Keene is going to come in and add versatility in some sort of ways, we could see it. Now, I don't know if I'm going to agree with that, if that's the route New England goes, but Dalton Keene definitely showed things at Virginia Tech that New England could use on the offensive side of the ball. And I think Jakob Johnson did a good job last season. I don't, I don't think he was bad at all. Um, he, was, he was better than we expected him to be, well, uh, than I expected him to be, at least. Um, I think he filled in that role pretty well. It's it's a big hole. James Devlin was a phenomenal player for us for, for so many years. So 
he had big shoes to fill, and I think he did a pretty solid job. He he did what he was supposed to do, and and it was a learning experience for him. But I think he continued to get better throughout the year. So he he had his ups and ups and downs, but he was an essential part of the offense last season, having that fullback to lead the way for Damien Harris, Sony Michelle, all those guys. So, but I I just it's it's hard to see with the with the roster being so tight this year. It's hard to really see a spot for him if we're not going to be running in that formation very often with the fullback. So, I mean, another guy who's had some experience back there being a versatile weapon is, is John Smith. Obviously we don't want to see him being used as a battering ram. You know what I mean? A, a tight end. We just paid $14 million, $12 million a year around that range. So I, I don't want to see him being the primary fullback, obviously, but he can go in there and he can, he can be a guy who can be, have some deception um, on the, for the defense. And, he can run some routes out of the backfield. He can run after the catch. We can hand it off to him. He he's a he's a guy who can do a lot of special things. So we could use him. We can use Dalton Keene. I mean, we even used a Landon Roberts. You know what I mean? A linebacker a couple of years ago. We used him, and and he ended up getting a touchdown for us at fullback. So I think if the roster spot can be better used on a defensive back, a edge rusher, where we have a lot of talent at that edge rusher position. I think we should use that roster spot on something like that rather than a fullback who we might not really use very often and we might have some other options who, who can fill in when needed. Yep, and then staying with the pass-catching positions, going to the receivers, we figure a lot of 12 or a handful of 12 personnel, so that leaves two receivers to be on the field. Um, Nelson Aguilar, you can kind of factor in to be in one of those. Who, who do we see being that second receiver, um, maybe two and three because they're going to rotate. Is it going to be Kendrick Bourne? Has Jacoby Myers done enough to solidify a spot there? And, you know, if New England decides to keep uh, a hold of Nikhil Harry, is he going to break the rotation? I think it's definitely going to be those three uh, wide receivers competing for the for the spots and for the snaps. I, I think the majority of it's all going to go to them. So whenever they do have three receivers out there, I think it's going to be those three um, with, with a tight end on the field. But it, it, that's going to be something that's going to be really interesting to see how it progresses throughout the year. Jacoby Myers had a great season last year when there was no other weapons. A lot of the, the defense paid a lot of attention to the run game, but then also focused on trying to contain him as well because he, he was doing really well. So I think if he continues to have that trajectory and continues to improve his route running and technique and all that stuff, I could easily see him being our wide receiver two for the year. I also think Kendrick Bourne is a talented player who, once he gets the ball in his hands, he can make some plays happen. So I think the balance of using the two of them, I think they'll split snaps uh, quite a bit. And I think you'll kind of see them both out on the field a decent amount. But yeah, no, I think Jacoby Myers is an extremely talented receiver who who has a lot of potential. And he, I think he showed flashes of that last season. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, obviously Nikhil Harry requested a trade and he hasn't performed to our expectations, but I, I, I'm holding out hope. I may, Maybe I'm crazy. I'm holding out hope that he can contribute in some way, and we don't need him to be a wide receiver one like we thought we uh, did when we drafted him. Now it's going to turn into, you know, is he going to be able to make contested catches? Is he going to be able to be a red zone threat um, if they're focusing on the tight ends and stuff? So I, I'm looking forward to Nikhil Harry coming in and, Jacoby Myers did some great things last year. I, I'm excited um, to see him and Kendrick Board compete. Um, they're they're both going to be great receivers that are going to kind of fill that Julian Edelman type of slot receiver. 
um, and they can run a handful of routes in the route tree. So the one guy that I'm looking for too that, you know, I just don't know if he has a roster spot due to Gunner and Matthew Slater's, um, you know, position on the special teams unit is Isaiah Zuber. We saw him come in. We saw him run a couple fly sweeps, and he's not going to be a big piece, but does he make a spot on the roster for himself with gadget-type plays, um, or is that going to go to maybe Nikhil Harry, a bigger body type of guy that, you know, we know is going to be able to run routes and catch, well, hopefully catch, but he's going to be able to be on the roster if he doesn't get traded. So um, does Isaiah Zuber break into that, you know, sp- one of those spots? That's going to be another one where it's it's going to be a tough battle for him to make this roster. There's there's a lot of talent. It's going to be some good players getting cut, like I mentioned before. So he's going to really have to fight for a spot, but it's going to be hard when somebody like Nikhil Harry just requested a trade and, and he doesn't want to be here anymore. And you got a guy like Isaiah Zuber who, when his number was called last year, he stepped up and he made plays. We used him as a gadget player, and, and he proved to be useful during diff- certain situations. So I think another way for him to kind of try to solidify his spot on this roster is to try to contribute more in that special teams aspect, maybe kick returning, maybe just playing on special teams in general, but trying to be more versatile and, and create value in your name and in your position to where you want to be, they want to keep you on the team. So I think the more you can do, especially when you're kind of a fringe roster guy, the more you can do, the better. So if, if he continues to do his job and, and just keep improving and, and working hard and showing that he can be useful in this offense, I don't I don't see why he can't challenge a guy like Nikhil Harry who has proven he doesn't want to be here. He's not lived up to expectations, and he wants out. So I, I'm rooting for Nikhil. I really am. I like him, and I, I wanted him to work out, but it's just clear that the expectation is not going to be for him to be a number one receiver anymore. Hopefully we can use him in the red zone. Hopefully he can go get some contested catches. He's going to have to factor in in the run game, and he's going to have to be a, a big body guy who can who can block. He's going to have to go get tough catches, make tough catches, and he's going to have to be better at creating after the catch. We tried to. Use, he was great at uh, Arizona uh, State after the catch. Once he had the ball in his hands, he made some phenomenal plays. If you go look up his highlights on YouTube, it's a lot of him catching the ball and making a great play and going and scoring. So. We tried to use him like that. We gave him opportunities these past couple of years, and he just hasn't been able to separate and able to create after the catch like he did in college. So he's been a disappointment, and he, he's really going to work hard to improve on those things, or he could be a guy that we end up sending out or even just flat-out cutting. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's tough with Nikhil Harry you don't want to see a first round pick go if that's what he chooses. Obviously you're requesting a trade, but if he were to get cut, it's just kind of a disappointment. You want to at least keep him and hope that he can contribute in some sort. And like you mentioned, I I've liked his effort in the run game that I've seen. Uh, I think he tries hard there. I think that he is willing to, you know, play nasty and be able to get those blocks downfield. So I think the run blocking aspect of his game is going to be something that we can use. It's just, you can't be a receiver that can only run block. Like obviously, you got to be a pass catcher. You got to be able to create separation, and we haven't seen those things. Maybe now with you know a couple other guys that can blow the top off a of defense, that takes some pressure off of him, like you mentioned. But I wanted to get to the defensive side of the ball too. A couple other position battles that we're looking at, and um, Chase Winovich is going to start camp on the pup list. But there's a couple other young 
um, defensive ends or uh, edge rushers that we signed. Obviously, Matt Judon being a big one. Uh, Ronnie Perkins coming through the draft, and then Josh Uche and uh, Dietrich Weiss. So how, how do you see those guys breaking in the rotation? Do you see it kind of being an even 50-50 split, or do you see one guy emerging um, alongside of Matt Judon? To me, outside of the quarterback battle, this is going to be the most intriguing thing about our upcoming season is how they utilize all this talent on the defensive line. Who makes the team? Who gets what snaps? Who they're on third down and got to have a situations? Who they're putting on the field? I think this is going to be super fun to watch and, and see how Bill uses these chess pieces that he acquired this offseason to make this team be successful. So I think you're going to see a lot of Switching out talented players, Josh Uche getting time, Chase Winovich getting time when when we got to have it's a third and long and, and we're rushing the passer. Chase Winovich might be on the field for those specific situations. So seeing how they utilize all these different guys is going to be really exciting to watch and, and see how these pieces fit together. But I think Judon and Kyle Van Noy are obviously going to be main contributors when they're on when it's third down and, and when we got to have it. I think they're going to they're going to be on the field because they're some of our most talented defensive linemen. So those guys are going to be big contributors. I think Chase Winovich and Josh Uche are going to have their specific roles. Um, Christian Barmore, he was great rushing the passer in college. So if he can kind of get stout against the run game and, and kind of build his arsenal up a little bit more, I think he'll be more of a three-down player. But he's I think he's kind of going to fill another specific role this his first year while he kind of develops as a player so I think there's so many pieces that we have and it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how Bill decides to use them all but I, I think they're all going to have their specific roles and that's something that we couldn't really say last year we didn't have enough talent to let guys do only what they were good at you know what I mean we had to have guys struggle in the run game struggle rushing the passer struggle doing things that they weren't really great at doing so with having having all these different guys who are good at different things is going to be great, and it's going to make situational football a lot easier for us. Yeah, that's the big thing about the defensive line this year. We added versatility, bringing back Kyle Van Noy, where he can be an off-ball backer, he can be a pass rusher. But I really like what they did on the interior defensive line. Like you mentioned, Christian Barmore is a big, stout dude up front, whether it's in the run, and he has that nimbleness, the agility to get around offensive linemen to get some pressure on the quarterback. I like the addition of Davion Gotchu. Obviously, we re-signed Lawrence Guy. Henry Anderson comes over from the Jets. I mean, it's a versatile group, and there's not one guy that stands out in there. Lawrence Guy kind of being the veteran in that group and Barmore being the one that might have the most potential. But like you mentioned on the defensive or on the edge rushers, is there's just going to be a lot of different mix and match ways that we can, that New England can put guys on the field to whether to either get more of a pass rush, to be more stout up front, to, you know, disguise pressure looks, disguise pass drops. It's exciting, the versatility we have. I'm excited to see, you know, obviously when you go to off-ball backers, you're talking about Dante Hightower. We know what he did when we played the Falcons in the Super Bowl. He can rush the passer. passer. Um, Jawan Bentley's more of that inside linebacker that maybe can't rush the passer, but I think a lot of the – Linebackers, we have edge rushers, defensive linemen are going to have the ability to get to the quarterback. Yeah, that's that's what's so exciting about this defense is, is all the versatility and all the guys who can do different things. Yeah, you mentioned it, Godchow, uh, Barmore, Lawrence Guy, 
Dietrich Wise. We got we got a lot of talented players on the interior, on the exterior of the defensive line. We got so much talent and just seeing how it's gonna it's gonna be good in the long run as well. Getting some of these guys like Judon and Kyle Van Noy, when you can sub them out and get them rest, it's gonna be better, especially with a seventeen game season. It's gonna be better in the long term for keeping them healthy, keeping them fresh. When we can rotate in fresh guys against tired offensive linemen on long drives and stuff like that, it's only going to help us. So I'm super excited to see who we end up keeping, and we're probably going to have to let a couple guys go that that had a had a role last year or that we thought might have a bigger role this year. But it's we got so much talent, and it's just going to be so much more fun to watch than last year. We, we saw them struggle continuously stopping the run. We couldn't get any pressure on the passer without – having sending a ton of guys you know what i mean so it's just going to be fun to see how we use all these pieces we have and to see if we can get pressure without crushing extra people so if we can just send four guys and get pressure on the passer with our linebacking core and secondary being so great i think that's that's going to give us a huge advantage over our defense last year so just seeing how they use these guys and trying to be able to create pressure with not having to send the whole farm is, is going to allow our secondary to have more guys in coverage, to be able to cover longer and just make this defense overall more successful. Yeah. And you know, obviously Gilmore in the secondary is the one where he's actually reporting to camp, but he's going to be on the pup list. And um, we we've talked about this before where it's going to just give us an opportunity to get other guys ready, whether Worst case scenario, Gilmore isn't ready week one. We haven't solved a contract issue. He opts out or he, you know, is holding out. And now we've had a lot of reps for other guys in training camp. So the cornerback position is going to, there's going to be a lot of guys. And that might be a position that we hear that might be struggling early on in camp where, you know, we have to have Jalen Mills come in and see how he's going to be. Miles Bryant, Justin Bethel, um, Jonathan Jones, like those guys are going to be put into roles that maybe they wouldn't have in the season depending on what Gilmore does but it's only going to help the defense it's only going to help us if injuries happen if Gilmore's not there um, and you know it's just more versatility you think of guys here Jonathan Jones is a special teamer um, that's done great things he can play inside corner like you mentioned earlier Jalen Mills can play safety can play corner Justin Bethel Miles Bryant those guys are both um, going to be special teams guys um, for us, but they're going to have an impact at the cornerback position in training camp early this year. Yeah, and you saw Miles Bryant have a couple nice plays against the Rams last year. So uh, some of those younger guys and some some of those guys who haven't really got a lot of playing time might get some extra training time in camp and kind of more familiarity with the system in case Gilmore does hold out longer or this doesn't get resolved. I think it will get resolved. I think he will be playing on the field week one for us, but you'd also like to see him get some extra time make sure he's 100 percent. make sure he is absolutely healthy because you're not really worried about gilmore not knowing the system or anything like that he's been here long enough he knows what he's doing he knows how to train and prepare to get ready for week one so i'm not worried about that but you also do like you also would like to see the chemistry of the defense start to build a little bit the last mm-hmm. couple weeks before the season starts so hopefully he's ready to go by then and he's back and and kind of in the fold of things so that we can kind of they can all get used to each other and and have this defense be as ready to go as it can for week one, but especially with a lot of new guys and a lot of new, a lot of new faces. And there's so many just people learning the scheme and learning the system that having a veteran like Stefan Gilmore back in training camp and ready to go would just 
help people even more. They can ask him questions. They can bounce ideas off each other, whatever. So having him back, hopefully as soon as possible, but hopefully healthy and 100% is going to be going to be great. So hopefully this contract situation gets resolved soon, but we'll see where it goes from there. Totally agree. Well, guys, training camp starting tomorrow um, or today, depending on when we get this episode out. But it's starting on Tuesday this week, which we are excited to uh, bring coverage to you, bring our thoughts, our um, you know what we're hearing and what we think is going to go on through the rest of training camp until the season. But thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, we'll let Cole take us out. Yeah, I, I cannot wait. Finally, some real football to talk about. We're going to have actual things actual storylines and stuff that we'll be able to watch and visually monitor and and bring coverage to you guys but yeah thank you guys for tuning in to another episode we will be back probably beginning of next week will be the next episode for us we, we might do uh, a video version as well at some point soon um, maybe a live stream for you guys where you guys can pop in ask questions um, but yeah hopefully you guys are getting out there supporting supporting the pats during training camp and uh, we'll be back to you guys with another episode next week Thanks for listening to this edition of the Patriots Drive podcast. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things New England Patriots. Make sure you tune into the next episode and check out PatriotsDrive.com for more great content. You're on to Cincinnati.